Hello, everybody. This is Hawk. This is Lady Hawk. And this is Hawk Talk. And we're back playing mini golf. Not because we didn't try something else. We were going to. It didn't work out well. We're working on it. We got a couple of things you want to try out. It's just the logistics of making sure the game will work with whatever conversation we're having because if the game's too involved, we get distracted. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were just play testing a couple couple games we uh have played frequently but going back to them and trying to get the controls and all that fun stuff back kind of screwed up and threw us off our <laughs> conversation game so we are back at that mini golf for now in the tower unite and to start off we do have some heavy topics that we want to discuss it's kind of a segue from um, our last episode where we were discussing celebrities and kind of their fall from grace, if you will. Um, but more specifically, I kind of dabbled into like comedians and how they have a darker side. And we talked about Jonah Hill and, you know, how he basically masked his insecurities with humor until he lost the weight and then he shouldn't be insecure anymore, but he still was. So that's kind of where this conversation um, started and where Hawk and I have these conversations all the time. But we were discussing celebrities and just like the entertainment industry as a whole with their insecurities, their, um, I don't know, toxic issues, their darker sides, if you will. Um, big one is Jim Carrey. And, you know, we, we all have our opinions about Jim Carrey. People think he's annoying. People think he's talented. There's a variety of thoughts based on him. I have an issue with him in regards to where, where I typically have an issue with these celebrities, but, um, the personal life, like he's basically he's dated Every co-star he's had, um, there was, uh, what was her name from Dumb and Dumber, the redhead, Honestly, Lauren, Lauren something, <clears throat> dated her, he dated um, Cameron Diaz, he, he dated Jenny McCarthy, but I don't think that they actually worked together, I think that that was just a different relationship, but he did date a woman much younger than him, um, I can't remember what she did for a living. She may have been a makeup artist, but probably 15 to 20 years younger than him. He gave her an STD or she claimed he gave her an STD. And then later on, he kind of taunted her. There's text messages where he basically taunted her about the STD and said, Oh, if you didn't sleep with so many people, you wouldn't be having these problems. He was like shaming her when he very obviously had given it to her. And she knew that um, she ended up unaliving herself. And it was because she was already a de depressed person. She already had the issue she had. And so her family went after him. I, I don't know the results of what happened. I, I don't think that it got very far because at the end of the day, as an adult, you make your decisions. But that is the darker side of Jim Carrey that 
from the Dumb and Dumber days, the Ace Ventura days, the mask days, where you can look at this man. He's very talented. You can see he's very talented, but he's distorted. There's something very distorted about him. I think there always had been. Well, and, and you know, you look at the industry as a whole, and I think all comedians have some kind of underlying issue. Um, I've heard over the years that a lot of comedians are like on the spectrum of autism. Yeah, I've heard that from Jerry Seinfeld's pretty famous mm -hmm. for quoting that. Like, they don't they understand. It, yeah. yeah, well, go ahead. I said if they expanded the spectrum just like a little bit, that you'd find a bunch of comedians that fall on that category. Like they're pretty close. Yeah. And he believes that because he's like, there has to be something off about the way you think to do what we do. Well, and the, the, it's not understanding the social cues. You could see all over Chris Rock's face the day that Will Smith got angry and went after him. He did not understand. He did not understand what the anger was about. And it's because those social cues are missing that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a gap there. Um, Robert Downey Jr. He's another one. He, he's not a comedian per se. I guess you could call him a comedian now. He's funny, but another celebrity with a very troubled, dark side to him. He made it to the other side. Um, but there are comedians that haven't. Robin Williams, as much as I, I am not somebody that enjoys giving attention to those who threaten suicide, who, you know, threaten to harm themselves. I feel like it's attention seeking behavior. Robin Williams truly is such a tragic loss. And knowing that he harmed himself um, based on a medical diagnosis that he knew was going to be traumatic for him himself and his family makes me so sad because he was a true talent. He was a good person. He was, but he had that darker side. Um, I watched an interview. Oh, I think it's called the brotherly love podcast with the Lawrence brothers and Matthew Lawrence, who is now an actor. Um, but he, was in Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams. And he was 14 at the time. And he just thought Robin Williams was the most amazing, talented guy he'd ever seen. He thought he was so funny. He was always on point, you know, when they would have their, their, um, their rehearsals and things like that. And he went to see him when they were not working. And Robin just had his hands on his head and he had his head down. And he said, I've been sober from from drugs it was the white drugs i don't think we can say it on youtube but um i've been sober from the white drugs for all these years and it did something to me and i've never been Damn the it. same sorry um and so you know you see these darker sides to these people that bring us all this enjoyment the the humor we need to check in on those people because they they're struggling. They make people laugh so that they can avoid their own torment. Not pretty much, right? So I think that's kind of where I was going with like the Jonah Hills of this world. 
yes, he turned into a very controlling man, whereas Robin Williams had the same torment and didn't turn into that person. He tormented himself, basically. Um, but then you look at the talents of Chris Farley, which I know you have your opinions. You don't think he was funny. Tommy Boy, I thought, was like the funniest movie. I just enjoyed him. I also enjoyed people like John Candy, though. And I think Chris Farley was very similar to John Candy, kind of over the top. So I didn't mind John Candy. But that was just different. But, uh, you know, very obviously, Chris Farley had his own demons. Um, his His demons killed him. And so you think about celebrities and comedians like that and then we have a day like we just had where we find out that matthew perry is gone um and we don't know at this point what the story is um, basically they've said that there were no drugs present when he passed away or where he passed away and hopefully he did not relapse because that would be just tragic in itself. But one thing that I read about Matthew Perry um, in his book, his memoir that he put out, he talked about how he knew that he could not stay sober, um, that he struggled with staying sober. And so if in this life, he could at least help other people who could not stay sober, then that was enough for him. And so even though he has passed away, and, and I do find it very sad, um, I've known about Matthew Perry for such a long time, not based on friends. Um, I saw him as the unplanned pregnancy um, and last minute marriage in fool's russian when he married selma hayek because she got pregnant in that movie and that movie holds a special place for me because my ex-mother-in-law who i'm still very close to um that was the movie that her and i would watch together it was very special to her and so it became very special to me so the chandler bing lovers of this world i understand that that's what you know him from but I've thought about Matthew Perry and known who he was for a very long time. And he was always awkward and funny and I just enjoyed him. And I really, truly hope that his legacy gets to be that he helped other people and not that his life was cut short because he couldn't recover from his addiction. Right. That That's my hope. That's right. Yeah, that'll probably happen. I hope so. I, I feel like... That's the um, redemption story that we all deserve, but he deserves it. You know, coming forward and being honest about his struggles, I think, was very telling. He didn't have to do that. He could have got sober and just been quiet about it. Right. He wanted people to know that you can have redemption, that you can become better. So I, I am hopeful for that. Like I said, he died alone in his hot tub. Hot tub. They said there were no drugs present. He did have some strange behaviors going on prior and some strange Instagram posts. But I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that this was just a tragic accident 
and that that will be his legacy, not the addiction. Well, I think that's part of his legacy. I think he deserves better than that being the only thing. No, it's not the only thing. He's done a lot of things, but I think if you talk about it, yeah. you're going to have to bring up that there's addiction. Absolutely. Like, like you would do with... Anybody, anything. Well, anything that anybody who's either fighting it or overcoming it. I mean, you got... Well, think about like Johnny, Johnny Cash. Depp, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash had addiction issues. He recovered from it. It was because of a woman, which I would not suggest to anybody, but he figured it out. He died an old man. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of success stories, but at the same time, a lot of them are going to tell you on the back end of, yeah, I got sober 20 years ago, but that 10 years I was messed up, it really done, you know... Tim Allen. Tim you know, Allen. You, you brought up Tim Allen earlier, and that's another... He wasn't... He wasn't doing well for himself. He was he was a misfit. He looked like an idiot. He got arrested. He figured it out. He, he did, became he Santa did, Claus. Uh, he had time in prison, yeah. Yeah. I think it was for uh for the cocaine. Um, I think he was distributing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But that's was... definitely um it's something that is at the forefront in my mind. I do have a family that addiction has been prevalent in my family. I have an ex-husband who addiction is prevalent with him and his family. Um, so that's definitely something that's very important to me. I, I will tell you, I am not a fan nor a cheerleader for the addicts of this world, which is a weakness of mine because at the end of the day, I know it's a disease, but because I've been let down by people that have used addiction as their reasoning, I struggle with that. Um, and that is why I think it's so important to talk about. No, I totally agree. So that leads into the bickerman of the week, which is definitely something that we can take as a learning opportunity, I would say. You agree? It depends on what the bickerman of the week is. Did you not read our agenda today? I do, but it just says let's discuss it. So I never know what it is. Okay. You can't read today, guys. I didn't, well, there's like 14 paragraphs, so I don't know what I'm supposed to be talking about. So you remember we discussed how he will not read and then he'll hurt your feelings because he decides not to read. This is what I was talking about. Oh, I'm trying. No, that's not trying. So we got into a conversation this week um, because I have been doing all the things. I'm doing all the self-help, self-love things. And I am scheduling the appointments that I need to schedule. I am being proactive about my mental health and my physical health. So I decide I'm going to have this conversation with Hawk and I'm going to let him know that I have scheduled an appointment with a primary doctor because I want to speak to them about going on medication for my mental health, my anxiety, my depression. Um, we had a very tragic and traumatic thing happen over the summer that we're still dealing with. We're still working through. And I'm just not doing well with it. 
And so um, I'm, I sit him down and I'm like, so I'm going to, I got this appointment scheduled. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to talk to this doctor and I'm going to let them know that I think I need to go on medication. And I'm trying to explain what I'm feeling because regardless of the fact that he has dealt with issues with depression his entire life, basically, I have not. And so when I say to him, you don't understand what I'm feeling, I mean that I he doesn't understand what I'm feeling because I don't usually feel this way. But what he heard is he's never felt the way I'm feeling. So he starts defending that he understands how I'm feeling, that he's been through depression. And I'm getting mad because he's trying to fix me and I don't appreciate it. I was just trying to give you something of, oh, well, okay. Like, I do understand where you're coming from and being supportive. Because I, this is like the few times where I can look at you in the face and say, I understand what you're going through. And whereas that is very well-meaning and I understand what you mean by that. It felt very much like you were like, I know, I got it. You don't understand because you haven't been through it, but I understand, so just shut up. No, that's not what it was at all. No, but that's what it sounded like to me. Well, I know, and that's the headspace. I get that. Because mm -hmm. everything is, that's what it is. It's everything's negative. Everything's just, everything just sucks is what it, it, it is. It wasn't even that. It was more of, I'm just realizing right this second what I'm feeling. So let me tell you. Because you've never seen me feel this way. And I've never felt this way. So let me tell you what I'm feeling. And as I'm trying to tell you what I'm feeling, you're saying, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because I've never felt this way. So you can't tell me you know I feel this way. Whereas I know what you were saying was, I know how you feel because you have felt this way in your life. What I was hearing from you was that you knew what I, you knew that I was feeling that way. And I'm like, no, you don't know. Cause I just figured it out. And I think that, and I but like yelled, I yelled at him. But I, it's I, also, I mean, going on a tangent just to make this make sense. Right. Is this is the same problem we had with my mother in, in essence. And that's, it was like, you know, remember that whole situation, I wasn't being, disrespectful oh, to you stop but it was one of those where you were going through something that i had vast knowledge of and had already gone i kept telling him like look you're on chapter five i've already finished the book i i know where you're getting to i know what's going to be coming you know and so that's kind of what i was alluding to with that it's like look i i know and i'm not trying to change you do your process because everybody's process is different but i understand the feelings you're feeling and yeah, maybe your normal, like your status quo, like you know, mental health mindset would have just let something like that go. You're like, I'm just having that's a good shot, just having a bad day. I totally meant to do that. Yep, totally meant to. Like you're like, oh, I'm just having a bad day, so everything, you know, is just terrible. You know those days where everybody's just kind of like everything sucks. I hit it way too hard. But I know where you're also coming from in the conversation of like, yeah, you're not listening to me. You're not hearing what I'm saying, but I was because we've had those conversations 
those were like blowout argument conversations we had. That that was what I was feeling when I had anger issues and was going through that stuff. That's what my feeling was, is you're not hearing what I'm saying. Right. And so I got, you know, that was like, I got anger. I had problems then. Right. Yeah. And that's when I would lash out because I didn't feel like I was getting hurt. <clears throat> so I, I know like that in that regard, yeah, that's the same thing as you get angry because that's just what you're defaulting. Well, to. and that's, that's what happened. I started yelling at you and I wasn't yelling at you because I was mad. I was yelling at you because I felt like you couldn't hear me. Oh, too hard. That's the thing is I could, and I was just trying to make you understand of, like, you're not going through this alone. I do fully understand, because there's not many things where we are both either have gone through or are going through that we can understand that. Like, we've had a lot of different experiences. So when something correlates, usually, I mean, we both do it. Like you do it the same way too, or if there's something that I'm going through that you've been through or can relate to or have knowledge in, you want to step in and help fix it. So, yeah, and here's the problem. You can't fix this. And I know you can't fix it. And when you try to fix it or you want to fix it, it just irritates me. I know. Which isn't fair. I know that's not fair to you, but that's what I'm feeling. Um, and, you know, I think in the future... And I need to do this too, because there are times that I want to fix whatever you're going through and it's the same situation. It's like, I can't fix it either. And it just pisses you off that I'm trying to pretend like I can fix it or it, it's a I think I can too. fix it. Yeah. That, that, well, you know how I work though. It's, I like to, if I can, I'll look in and try to fix things. That's just the way I'm wired. So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm consciously doing it. I just, the way I am, I can't help it. So I think that it's important that you ask questions or, you know, you or I ask questions and try to figure out, okay, is this something you want me to listen to you about? You want to vent? Do you want me to fix it? Do you want suggestions? What are you looking for? And I think that that is a safe question to ask so that we can be on the same page and so that if all I'm doing is trying to get you to listen to me because I want to explain to you what my plans are, that's my focus. And so you interjecting with, I know, I understand, whatever, it totally derailed what I had in my head. And so that's why it frustrated me so bad. I know, I get it. And so I think that that's, you know, that part of that communication, stopping yourself from just, and especially men, I think you always want to fix it. You just want to make it better. And sometimes that's not what we need. We don't need somebody to try to make it better. We just need somebody to help us think it out. Well, and and yeah, that's why well, I've heard that before. Um, and I don't think it was in therapy. I think it was like a therapy type setting or something. I don't remember where. That's what it was, is people want to, like fixers want to fix. I know. And that's the thing is, and it was, this was directed in the male audience of, you know, you, you sometimes that might have been something at that church group, too. maybe, maybe, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, that's the thing is this, you sometimes oh my gosh, we just I'm need to so vent, you know, and it, it's one of those where this conversation is something you're going to fix. I just want you to sit there and go, that sucks. Yeah. You know, and that's something I think I sit there and like, that's, but you, but you have to notice like that last conversation, that's what it eventually becomes. 
as I realize, okay, okay, you don't want me to fix you. You want me just to sit here and listen to it. Okay. And it's like, I'm just sitting there going, that sucks. I don't know what you're going to do. You know, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, you should do that. You know, that's kind of what it becomes after a while. If you don't want me to fix this, I'm just going to sit here and just, hey, just cheer you on or whatever. Yeah, but I think that, and I think I need to be more um, thoughtful or intentional about my words when I'm deciding to have a conversation with you about something like that. Like I need to tell you, okay, look, I'm going to, I'm going to express something to you. I want you to hear me out and I'll let you know when I'm ready for you to give me input. But right now I just want you to hear me. Um, I think that we both need to do better at that. And then that way, neither one of us is trying to fix it. Well, and we usually, we do sometimes. I mean, there is that, that part of it where, you know, we started, I, I just need you to listen. Mm -hmm. That's all I need you to do right now. You're like, all right. And, you know, you know what the expectation's been set for the conversation. It's like, all right. And then at that point in time, you know, say what you got to say, get it out there, and we'll go from there. Well, and there's other, you know, the, so, and this is really, 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 really raw. So I'm going to just put it out there one of the situations that we went through over the summer i very much struggled with my mental health was very bad and at one point i said i just want to die and it was something where it wasn't me saying i wanted to kill myself because that's not what it was but i wanted the pain to stop i just wanted the pain to stop and there have been moments where I've expressed that and Hawk has made me feel shamed about it. And that was not helpful. No. Um, and and I, I, I know that me making those comments is very scary. That's a very scary thing for me to say out loud. But when I spoke to my therapist about it, I explained to her exactly how I just said it that I did not want to harm myself. I just wanted the pain to stop. And she understood it. She understood in that moment that I was not feeling like I wanted to, to harm myself. It was just that I was hurting. Um, and I think that as my partner, you had, you have to learn To not shame me for that because I feel like you did. I don't feel like I was. I was just trying to make a point of like I take this seriously. Don't even like joke around with that. But I wasn't joking. I know that's where I was like, look, if you have any problems, here's some numbers you need to be calling. That's where I was at. It was more of a concern than anything because right. you know don't want to fluff something off then you do something and i was like well i could have stopped that but i didn't no and i and i i get that and i appreciate that and i i don't want you fearful of that i don't want you afraid of that because that's not it's not in my plan it's not something i'm thinking about it's not something i've considered it's just that i was hurting really bad um i think i was still trying to get into therapy at the time it was just it was bad yeah and um there's uh this song by her name's elise myers 
And she says, I'm a mess. I'm depressed. I have been this way for years. I'm aware that that might scare you, but just imagine how I feel. And I never really understood those lyrics or what she was saying until I was in it. Um, and it is a scary feeling. So my, my takeaway from that is to have empathy for people that are going through those things and that express those things to you because they are trusting you in those moments with the darkest parts of them and it, it is a cry for help it is a reach for help and so being there in those moments for those people can be life-changing so just pay attention and make sure that you are checking in on your people because sometimes they need it and also, if your partner tells you that they're feeling alone, that they feel um, all by themselves, that's not a dig at you. And it can very much feel like it because I remember feeling when Hawk would tell me he felt alone. I remember feeling like that was a dig at me, um, but it's not. It's just something that you're going through and you feel like nobody else can understand. And so being there for somebody through that and not taking that um, offensively is very important encouraging them to seek help and seek counseling and maybe more than counseling at times sometimes medication is needed and there's no shame in that so whatever it takes to help somebody feel better that's that's what you want to do oh yeah that's how it should be like 100 percent of the time yeah, because like I don't understand people who who do that of oh well you need help so you're weak or this or whatever. Right. I mean, why? But you used to have that mindset too. I Not... didn't want to take medications for the rest of my life. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, I mean it's easier now because you know employment, but you know there's the other side of it of like now it's I have a constant crutch. So I still have to work day to day to yeah. still keep myself okay. together. Yeah. Among other things. Because I don't you know, I don't have just mental health medications. Right. So yeah, you know, I gotta keep myself together. But it, it it is one of those where it's a helper, but I need to do my part. I can't rely on the medications. I have to do what I can do to get my mental health where it's it's manageable. But I see, and I think that talking about these things out loud, whether they're heavy or not, I think it's very important, especially for m other men to hear you talk about that and say that out loud and, and say that you are not ashamed of taking medication or doing what you need to do because there is a stigma. And the more we talk about it out loud, whether it's one person or 500 people that hear it and say, okay, it is okay. Other right. men are going through this, other women, other moms, you know, we're all going through this together. None of us are perfect and all of us have issues and being well, yeah. okay with those issues is I mean, okay. Statistically, everybody knows somebody who has a mental health issue 
depression, anxiety. Well, and it used to just be, oh, they're crazy. Yeah, there was no help. And so if you don't act, quote unquote, crazy, then there's no issue. But there are so many other things. Well, that's how I grew up was, I mean, depression was a thing, but it was, oh, just, you know, you grew up with the, oh, you just, just stop being depressed. Just stop being sad. Just stop being sad. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's, it makes the sad moments worse. Like, so when there's a down, there's a down. And when there's an up, it's not like it's up. You know, it's, eh. And that's, that's one thing that's the most, I think that's the reason I knew I was having problems with depression. Is I'm a pretty upbeat, cheerful person. I try to look at the bright side of most things. And I was no longer getting any satisfaction out of anything, anything. And it was the strangest feeling I've ever felt in my life. And I'm like, there's something wrong. This is not me. And so I can't imagine what a person who has clinical depression goes through on a daily basis because the idea that I'm never going to feel that satisfaction again is enough to make me depressed. Well, you know, it's, it's that, that joke of canceling plans is the most right. like, it, it, that's what it is, yeah. is. That's how I feel all the time is I don't want to go like even this weekend coming up. There's on the back of my head is like, is this really worth it? You right. know, like, do I really want to do all this work? You know, especially after like now it's like, it's not, I mean, the race is the race now, but at the same point, you know, it, 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 you know, anytime something big's coming up, I go through that shadow of doubt of, eh, do I really want to keep doing this? Is something we're going to do? And, you know, it's just. I started going through that recently. I shared about, you know, the reunion and I can't imagine that that's been your life. That makes me sad. But that's what I say. It's been my life. So I know. I just... and, and so now going through it just because I'm going through a situational depression. It just gives me perspective, I guess. I guess I would say. I mean, it's one of those where, like, if you don't, that's that's the problem and the argument I've always had with people who don't understand, or they, let me phrase, not understand, they don't want to understand mm-hmm. uh, depression for one or any mental health things or for one reason or another. Right. Is it doesn't just stop. Like, you don't have control over it. It, it, it just kind of comes when it wants to. It kind of goes when it wants to. Um, most of the time it's kind of just lingering and day to day you're, you're mostly fine. When you have downs, you kind of know you're just like, yeah, it's just going to be a bad day or a bad week. Yeah. Like you can start telling when things are going to progress, but for the most part, you just, that's a, it's just routine. That's why routines are a big thing for me. Well, and, and that's what I'm trying to establish myself. That's why I'm going to go to the doctor I'm going to do all these things because I need to get back to a fake it till you make it attitude so that I can be okay. Because right now I haven't been okay. Oh, that's what you got to do. And like that's what my therapist told me. Like all of them had said that that's the same thing with depression pretty much is, all right, well, what were some good things that happened today? Yeah. Well, and I, so I went and I got my brows done and my lashes done, which I haven't had done in four months. And so I'm kind of feeling like myself again, which is nice. Um, And one of the things that I took away from this whole 
uh, situation with Matthew Perry, he was, so one of the things he had said in his book, he said um, he'd been to like 6,000 AA meetings in his lifetime. He had been to 15 different rehabs and like he's had countless relapses and he's like, I can't tell you I'm never going to relapse again. I can't tell you I'm going to keep myself sober. He's like, but what I can tell you is I know how to get sober. And he goes, so if somebody comes to me and says, I need help, he goes, I'm going to drop everything to help them. I'm going to drop everything to put them in the direction where I know that they can get sober. It's up to them if they stay that way. But he's like, I am determined to get people to a point that they can get sober. So he had built these different halfway houses and treatment programs. And so that's one thing that I will say that no matter what has happened, no matter what this turns out to be, whether he relapsed or not, which I pray he did not, I pray that that man stayed sober and maybe this was just a heart attack. I don't know. That's what I'm hoping. But the fact that he made this world a little bit of a better place by trying to help other people. I think that that is the legacy that we focus on. And because of that, because we want to make sure we round this out in a positive way, I want to start like a new segment um, where we talk about something good. So when we have these more heavy topics i want to round it out with a something good segment so you ready for our something good hawk uh hold on <laughs> he got distracted well yeah i made the mistake i zoomed in on the uh the thing too much i'm gonna scroll down real quick oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i remember this Okay, so the Something Good segment, it kind of came full circle. And a lot of people have heard this story, but I don't know if they've heard the entire story because it started in Arizona. Um, and this grandma sent a text message to her grandson asking him if he was going to come and see her for Thanksgiving dinner. And she signed it, your grandma, because that's what old people do, right? They just have to make sure you're aware that this is their grandma. Yep. And so a young man received the text. He was 17 years old. His name is Hinton. And he said, well, you're not my grandma, but can I still get a plate, though? And in old grandma fashion, she said, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. We feed people. So um, he did come. That was in 2016. He came for Thanksgiving. They have a beautiful picture. And he came every year after that. And so, you know, they've had lots of changes in their life. And um, Hinton is now engaged. He did start his own business. He ended up putting his honorary grandma and grandpa on that billboard because they were so special <laughs> to him. And sadly, in 2020, um, Wanda's husband passed away from COVID. And so Hinton said, I don't care. I don't care if you're not cooking. He showed up on Thanksgiving to spend Thanksgiving with her. And they continued their tradition. And so they just truly became family. And I think that goes back to something I've always thought about and believed because you can't always choose your family. Sometimes your family is just not 
your blood relatives are just not what you need them to be. And you have to focus on the family you choose. And I've had such a great group of family that I've chosen over the years and I'm grateful for all of them. So I just love that story. I like the half of the story. It comes up about this time every year. You hear about it and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those stories, you know? Well, and to know that, because I don't know about the rest of her family, but to know that she lost her husband and she still didn't have to be alone. Like he just, he was so committed to her, dedicated right. to that relationship because once upon a time he was a 17 year old kid that had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving and she was his lifeline. And then several years later he became hers. And I think the give take in this world is very important and very, you know, vital to think about. I remember when I worked for the retirement community that I worked for, I would, people would tell me, oh, you know, you're so good to me. God's going to bless you. And I said, oh, karma's coming for me. I just, I'm going to get what I give. And so I just would give as much as I could so that maybe one day somebody will bless me that way. But thank you for joining us today. I know there was some heavy stuff, but there was some really happy stuff too and a lot of learning lessons. So make sure you like, subscribe, and share and join us next time. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, Potato, why you gotta be so cute?